0: Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome to Voices from the Real World. Profile Theatre is a theater company located in Portland, Oregon. Profile Theatre centers the season around a season-long featured writer. Our best artists help us see. And at Profile, each year, we use a different writer's unique perspective as a lens that helps us see our shared world in new and surprising ways. Community Profile is an affinity space built around the structure of a free writing workshop participants in Community Profile meet, write, support, share, and bear witness to other people who may have walked a mile in their shoes. In Community Profile, we feature writers who have won awards and had numerous books published, as well as writers who are making their first foray into expressing themselves on paper. The result is writing that is singularly personal, provocative, powerful, moving, funny, tragic, beautiful, and that encapsulates the entirety of the human experience. What this podcast does is give those writers, those creators, a chance to share their life stories and their writing in a public forum so that we can celebrate and appreciate victories that have been won and challenges that have been overcome by people whose lives you may recognize or be experiencing for the very first time. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome back to Voices from the Real World. And today, our guest is one... Darlene Zimbardi. And uh, one of the many things that's super interesting about Darlene is that um, Darlene was was from an earlier cohort before we started doing uh, the podcast. Um, uh, It was for uh, people living with chronic illness or who were uh, taking care of people who were living with chronic illness. Um, And so, Darlene, how did you wind up with that group?
1: Well, I am um, involved with the Narrative Medicine Movement, um, and so I heard about Profile there. And I have to say, it was so great. I met so many terrific friends, and I checked both boxes. I have a chronic illness, and I'm a caretaker for my mom that lives across the country.
0: And I'm sorry, Darlene. I didn't say, hi, how are you?
1: I'm terrific. <laughs> excited to be here. Yeah. A little nervous, but excited.
0: Okay, and welcome to Voices from the real world thanks for coming on Um, and how did you uh so first tell us a little bit about yourself um born raised uh what is your passion in life
1: so my passion is to connect people but a little bit about me is i grew up in the philadelphia area and uh my first exciting job was working on nickelodeon's double dare i did kind of like everything behind the scenes then I moved to New York City and worked behind the scenes in TV production, um, read all the networks. And then, unfortunately, I was diagnosed with lupus and nearly died. So that definitely put a downer on things. Um, after that experience, I wrote an illness memoir, If Only George Clooney Were My Doctor. It's an offbeat take on my time on life support. I obviously got well, worked in theater while living in New York, And then maybe about 15 years ago, moved out to Portland with my husband. And we found a big community with the Blue Sky Photo Gallery out here. Terrific group of people. And I became an elementary school educator, uh, ESL teacher. Currently, I'm an ombudsman for long-term care facilities. And um, that's kind of a little bit about me.
0: Okay. You, like, just, just went over that really casually. That sounded harrowing. Um, uh, fantasizing about having George Clooney as your doctor while you were on life support. Ooh, ooh. Can you talk a little bit about that story?
1: Sure. Um, well, it was almost 30 years ago. And they, and they still don't know a lot about lupus. But back then, they knew even less. And unfortunately, my doctor thought I was just a hysterical woman and said I was overreacting to being diagnosed with a chronic illness. And that was not the case. I went into heart failure. Heart failure led to uh, lung and liver failure. And they told my parents that they didn't think I was going to make it. And I had blood transfusions, chemo. It was very rare that they ever used chemo for lupus at that point. Um, and gamma globulins, like kind of everything that... COVID. They're using for COVID. And basically my body did what a lot of COVID's patients do, just start shutting down because of inflammation. <laughs> because, uh, sorry, that sounded a little... <laughs> you have to create some distance.
0: Right, right. And uh, I'm sorry for, uh, for people like myself who don't really know what... Like, I've heard the word lupus a lot. I don't actually know what it is either.
1: So it's an autoimmune disorder, and it could take two major forms. The one form is um, what's called do- discoid, and it's just your skin. It's kind of a rash, but I have systemic. St- yeah, can't talk today. Systemic. And so um, it could affect any part of your body. Um, lupus is an inflammatory disorder. Many times it's treated with steroids. I was on high dose steroids for many years, and they do terrible things to you also. Um, and some people smile it's kind of um one of those diseases where it's very personalized for lack of a better word that you know two people can have the same disease but they have totally different symptoms Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. um uh and you mentioned the doctor thought you were just a hysterical woman uh believe it or not that is actually something that has come up before on this podcast with uh And you know, and I'm not saying all doctors are like that or the you know the the medical professionals automatically like that, but it is something that I've heard before on this podcast. Um, so sorry you had to deal with that.
1: Thank you. It's interesting. One of the pieces, and I almost chose it for today, but I thought, and not that these aren't a little angry what I chose, but um, at the profile group, there's an exercise about writing a letter to someone. So I wrote a letter to that doctor. And I almost chose that piece today, but didn't. I uh, wanted to focus on the elder advocacy piece. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I have a lot of things to <laughs> rant about.
0: Yeah. Well, who knows? One day we might have you back on here just to do some ranting.
1: Fantastic.
0: Okay. So uh, you found yourself in Portland. Um, what? First of all, how, how did y'all choose Portland? I mean, you're a long way from Philly.
1: Yes, yes. So my husband grew up in Hawaii, and we met in New York. And um, at a certain point, I knew I wanted to change careers. You know, I my shift at the TV station was 4 a.m. to one in the afternoon, Ooh. and my husband didn't work that schedule. He's an artist, so like it was hard. You know, I had to go to bed at six o'clock if I wanted to be fresh in the morning at getting up at 3 a.m. Mm. So you know, pay was great, and that helped. But um, you can't live your life like that forever. Mm-hmm. So he had a show at Blue Sky Gallery back in two thousand four, and ever was so nice. Oh my gosh! And he told me he was taking me to Yoda's home planet. We went up to um, the Olympic Peninsula, sure, and it was so pretty. I've never seen anything like that. And so um, we decided to move out here, like everyone else. And they warned us there are no jobs, and that is absolutely true.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's funny. Uh... I would say the number one thing that seduced me about the Pacific Northwest was uh, the landscape, you know, and camping. And and originally I lived in Seattle. uh, So I spent a lot of time in the Peninsula camping and going to Hot Springs and whatnot, you
1: know, and it was fantastic. I still miss the energy of the East Coast, but the beauty out here, it is unparalleled. And how we can just drive to the coast, drive to Mount Hood.
0: Holy cow! Amazing. And, it, and it's funny, uh, your husband chose Yoda's home planet. I remember going down. Have you ever been down to the hot springs um, the, the, down by Eugene? There's a, uh, there's the.
1: Is that Brighton, or whatever?
0: No, no, no. Okay. Past that, Tuolumne Hot Springs, or we used to call it Cougar Mountain. I think some, I think locals still call it Cougar Mountain, but now that I think they're called the Tuolumne Hot Springs. Like I always tell people, that place looks like Middle Earth, you know. And uh, so I recommend it. To, you know, I uh, go to the Delta Campground. And it's gorgeous up there, you know. Um, but yeah, I totally got to news on the current side as well out here. And it's, it's so beautiful in the summertime, you know. Um, so uh, how did you find yourself with, at Community Profile?
1: So, um, again, I got an email from, um, I think it was the Narrative Medicine um, mo- uh, Group at OHSU. Terrific bunch of people. If you don't know what that is, I'll just do a quick thing where um, whether you're a medical professional, doctor, nurse, caretaker, patient, you come together, and through literature and um, stories, you kind of find some transcendence. You know, as you know, storytelling and connecting um, really brings people together. And you know, I, as I told you, that medical communities are so fraught and so this movement really kind of helps uh, destroy, like, um, the hierarchy, for lack of a better word. Right. Right. I didn't totally explain that way. But, and again, um, through there, I met Jeanette, and I'll never pronounce her name. She has a, two names, but the last name is Williams. She played my mom in the piece, because through um, Profile, like I got connected with the mentorship Writing program with Writer Guild of America. We did that online. Excellent experience. And I was so motivated by their support and all my friends. I entered Fertile Brown in 2019. And uh, so what I wrote coming out of Profile was what I call Reports for the Elder Front, from the Elder Front. So the first piece is all about canine. Came right out of profile, and um, second piece is called Lost in Elder World, and the third piece that we did online on Zoom this year, um, because of the pandemic, is um, a window into Elder World, Um, and so the pieces start are about caretaking for elderly parents.
0: Excuse me, hold on, say where you are, but uh, these pieces are plays that you wrote in
1: Well, it's interesting that you asked that um, because the, especially the first piece came about as a prose piece it's called All About the Canine but um, I wanted I knew I didn't have the skill to do a one woman show and I thought it'd be so much powerful with um, more voices so I changed it from prose piece to a play Right,
0: awesome Cool. Um, uh, And so through that thread, the the narrative, what would they call it again? The narrative?
1: Medicine movement. um,
0: Connected you with community profile.
1: Yes. Great. And then the thread kind of picking up on how it all came about. Like, so during this time, um, my stepdad or stepdad, I was going to say father, all merged together. And my stepdad was put on hospice Um, and then he died. And the day after his funeral, my mom had her first heart attack. And at that point, my dad, they're not, they're divorced. He fell down, um, a flight of stairs and nearly died. So I start writing about all this. And, um, then not too long after my mom had a second heart attack and stroke. And I had, I had four days to put her in assisted living and find a place for her and her dog. Um, That's hard. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it sounds hard. Um, And one of your pieces today uh, touches on that.
1: Yeah, and both of them actually are about um, uh, the mom situation. One specifically about that coming into that four-day period and you're all alone, you know, and it just seems like the whole world's against you and um, certainly... You know, mom wasn't excited about moving either, but she couldn't live alone. She's across country. I'm here. And I knew she didn't want to move cross country. You know, some people suggested that, but she grew up in Philly and I understand not wanting to leave. And my goodness,
0: the the culture shock from Philly to Berlin has gotta be high.
1: Yeah, and that's kinda well, for like better word, funny. Because when my husband and I moved to Portland, we actually moved his mom from Hawaii to live with us in Portland. And that's kind of where this whole elder experience started. You know, my husband's 13 years older. We took his mom in. We all loved each other. And it became a big disaster, which was sad for all of us. We, we went into it with a, such a loving spirit. But you never know what... Um, things bring um as our minds change as we age as we cope with things with the support you do or do not get from the medical establishment for what you truly need
0: right right um what piece would you like to start off
1: with i'll start off with um it's called mom's fridge and so i went back east after the first heart attack and Mm -hmm. so um that's kind of where we are. My mom's in the hospital and I'm in her apartment. I'm back east. My mom's in the hospital waiting heart surgery. Now's the time to strike. It's 1 a.m. I pour myself a drink. Open her fridge. Her dog looks up expectantly. Hmm. There's crumpled wax paper behind that half-empty bottle of Riesling. Ah, it Lunch me. Too rancid. Even for the dog. Into the trash it goes. Score one for me. Yay. Scanning the rectangular box, I see desserts and booze. Is this a new diet phrase? Sugar and alcohol? My favorite, olives with garlic. Mom always kept them on hand when she knew we'd be visiting. Stabbing one with a toothpick. I pop it in my mouth. Ugh. Mustard from six years ago? Vinegar is a preservative, but not a miracle worker. Her dog's staring at me. Crap, I haven't fed her yet. I open the cabinet door. This time it pops out at me. Sugar and alcohol. They're bags and bags of peanut chews. They're the favorite of my youth, right next to the red wine. I'm so tempted to run and pack those peanut chews right into my suitcase. Relax. Take a breath. I eat one chew, put the rest in the donate pile. Back to the fridge. Hot sauce. Expired four years ago? What the fuck? She moved these from our childhood home into the retirement community? I pop another olive. Mid-chew. Ah, I'm frantically searching for the container. No date on the label. Not on the bottom of the jar. Oh, crap. I take off my glasses to read the lid. Expired 2008. They're from the last time I was home. I spit the remaining bits onto the floor. The dog walks over, licks them up. I take a drink. Back to the fridge. Tasty cakes. The other Philadelphia staple. It brings to mind mom's cardiologist telling me that the heart attack was most likely caused by her diabetes. The bottom shelf of the fridge is covered with some sticky mess. There are two huge jars of maraschino cherries side by side, like husband and wife. Ah, They're leaking. I pull one out and plop it into the sink, searching for an expiration date. Sugar and alcohol. Sounds so sweet. Sugar and alcohol. Cherries expired six months ago. Feeling so guilty that I haven't moved to the West Coast. Could I have altered their outcome? My parents, not the cherries. The day began visiting my father, the former alcoholic. He's recovering from a fall. Went down to his basement to get dollar store donuts for breakfast. Almost cost him his life. Sugar and alcohol. I turned to the counter to take a final sip of my drink. Red wine sitting next to the wrapper of my chocolate cupcake, F me. All
0: right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Compassion, the desire to help, it's part of Portland's DNA. It's also at the heart of what Central City Concern does every day. Last year, they helped over 13,000 people experiencing or at risk for homelessness get back on track, providing health care housing, and employment opportunities. But they can't do it alone. Go to their website at centralcityconcern.org to
1: learn how you can be part of the solution.
0: And we are back with Voices from the Real World. I feel like there is uh, so much going on with this piece. Like, I really loved it. Um, uh, Because I feel like you use a bunch of, like, really, like, mundane details that actually, like, communicate a whole bunch. And, um, uh, you know, like uh, about like the, the, you know, the, the kind of like, like pathos and tragedy behind like your parents' lives, um, you know, uh, that has to do with like this food just sitting here for 60 years. Like, you can't help but wonder, like, what was going on uh, during that time, you know? And, um, and, his, you know, and like it just, uh, it, it gives you that question. Uh, it's just like resonates like throughout, like, what happened here? Um, when did these problems actually start? And they, you know, then they start before this heart attack, you know. Um, but and you you do all that, and it's and it's um, and it's funny. Like, like 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 when I read it, like you just laugh, you know. Um, uh, you know, at this stuff that you're finding at the dog looking it up because dogs, for you know, being people's best friend and everything, and sometimes they're so cute, and lovable, and then other times they're disgusting. <laughs> you know like, I
1: guess.
0: thought so often just like you're like that was repulsive what you just did there you know that, you know I, I thought you know like that was a a great example um so I just you know uh and and I also got like a sense of your confusion frustration um shock uh you know all you know all these different you know love for your you know um you know, all these different emotions that are all, like, existing and bubbling and, and boiling over inside of you, um, inside this piece, you know. Uh, so, uh, just, you know, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Um, uh, so, how did, the, like, how did the rest of that move go? Like...
1: I have to say... Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Isn't there an expression like everyday saints? So, you know, uh, once I moved to New York, I didn't go back that often to Philly. You know, I was busy working all the time, lots of overtime. Once we moved here, not so much either. So here we are. We have four days to move mom and the dog. And um, my younger brother's there, but he's also working. And um, I call cousins that I don't see that often. But I know they, they love my mother. I called um, step-siblings, and actually, it's hard to explain that they were grandkids from my stepdad. I never met them before. Most loveliest people. They all showed up. I called friends I've known since high school, and we had like one day to move her. And the whole goal, as you know, when someone has a stroke or has dementia, and we weren't sure what's going to come out, and you're going to move them, like lots of times the person just dies it's too much confusion it's 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 and the transfers are terrible and they never come out of their delirium we have a little room and we have to create like our studio there and we did it and like there's a grandfather's clock to move and like there wasn't time to rent a truck we were using cars and borrowed whatever did someone have a van you know it was all seat of our pants and we made it happen um and you know and mom was not happy about the move she understood on one level that she couldn't be independent we were all hoping maybe it would just be temporary but um you know as long as she was with the dog and like when we brought her in it looked like home you know um people put things up on the wall all the artwork um she had very particular artwork and it was cute, curtains. It, it, it was horrible, but very successful.
0: Right. Right on. <laughs> right on. Um, so your second piece is also about your mom. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give us some context beforehand? you want to wait and talk about it afterwards?
1: We can uh, wait and talk about it afterwards. The only thing I'll say is that, again, it was written right from the workshop and also right out of the Writers Guild support. Because yeah. I was online um, – When with them and, um, you know, I was sick that day and my cousin called me from the hospital. It's like, we think your mom had a stroke. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, and that that was like in the break of the five minute workshop from WGA. It's like, oh, shit, what do I do with this? But I couldn't do anything. I was sick. I didn't want to make her sick. And um, so I stayed with the workshop and this piece came out of it. And the overall piece, this is just an excerpt. It's called All About the Canine. Do you know how mean people are to the elderly? I'm not talking about the average man on the street. I'm talking about the professionals. You know, social workers, people who run senior communities. How can they sleep at night? They're definitely overworked, possibly underpaid. But these so-called caregivers Really need to be mean to old folks to make ends meet? Okay, let me back up, fill you in. My mom. She's 81, recent, recently became a widow, then had two heart attacks and a stroke. So picture this. She's in her hospital bed with her dog Chili lying next to her, when little Miss uh, rehab social worker comes strutting in to inform her that the facility will be dumping her out in a couple days. This cupid doll come to life, lays out the assisted living options. St. Joe's doesn't allow dogs. St. Pete's, I don't know. Is the dog a deal breaker? My mom begins to cry. The dog whines. Really, this woman feels totally comfortable waltzing in and telling an old lady whose husband just died, who's so sick. She can't even go back home to say goodbye to our friends. I'm going to rip your pet away from you too? Jesus Christ, as my father used to say. I pipe in. Yes, the dog's a deal breaker. Standing up, walking towards the social worker, blocking my mother's view, I spit out. You idiot. We finally got mom sold on the idea of assisted living after assuring her that wherever she'd go, her little dog would follow. Shirley begins to growl as I continue. You know, I have power of attorney. Couldn't you have talked to me outside the room? Apparently, mm, it wouldn't have been fun enough for you. I slowly back up and sit next to Mom again. Thank God the stroke knocked out our short-term memory. Hopefully in five minutes, she'll forget this hallmark moment. But it seared into my memory.
0: So, this piece... You have a perspective.
1: Was that a <laughs> ranty enough for <room>? you?
0: <laughs> well, um, is a true story, right?
1: Yes, and I have to say, once my mom had ended up at assisted living, oh, there were such lovely people that gave her so much love. Great. But, yeah. but,
0: but you know what? I mean, that should be baseline, right? Yeah. I mean, for, for taking care of old people who can't take care of themselves. You know, that, that should be baseline, you know, that, that, you know, that shouldn't be like the exception to the rule.
1: Right. And like mom had me, but what about all the others that have no one to speak for right. them? And like, there were people in that hospital that I knew that was the case.
0: And you, uh, you hear these horror stories like all the time and you just wonder like, um, uh, how do people wind up in this industry? Uh, what are the qualifications, you know, um, did you have further contact with this caregiver?
1: Um, this was a social worker and was um, a social worker. Yeah. Goodness gracious. I know. No. Um, and um, and it was actually it's funny. We're jumping a little bit ahead, but it was through fertile ground that I met someone who works for the ombudsman program. And I didn't know that, like, you could be an advocate for those who can't uh, or, or amplify voices for those who might not be able to advocate for themselves. And so um, last year, I became a long term care ombudsman. And you do your best that when um, people speak out and they live in communities and they're not getting their needs met, that we do our best to um, help advocate to um, get their needs met. But like when, when my mom got sick at this point, she was living in like a 55 and older um, HUD community. You know, she worked hard all her life, but never made a lot. And so, um, but at this community, when someone would need immediate transfer and didn't have anyone, their shit was just thrown in the trash. It was so depressing and and it's heartbreaking. Like, I feel thankful that we were able to recreate mom's space at her new place, but so many people that go from the hospital to a new place with not a single familiar item. Right. That's
0: brutal. There we go again. Sorry. Uh, no. No, uh, you know, uh, I think we both knew you were, you were going to rant, and, uh, and, and, that, and that was going to be what this podcast was about. Um, and did you say that you work for an uh, elderly advocacy organization?
1: Yes, it's, I do volunteer. There are a few paid people. It's run by the state of Oregon. What's it um, called again? It's called um, the Ombudsman Program, and uh, you can Google it. They're always looking for volunteers. The training is amazing. And you learn so much. And so not only did I do it to help people here, since this is where I live, but I learned so much to help mom mm-hmm. also. It, it's amazing what happens and the things you need to know that no one prepares you for.
0: Right. Because, you know, I mean, I, I, and I feel like I'm totally a believer that society is really measured by how it takes care of its, its folks uh, who can't take care of themselves, you know, be that children or the elderly or uh, people who are differently able, you know, whatever that is, you know, um, what is our capacity for generosity with, with those folks? You know, how do we take care of them? You know, um, so, you know, I, uh, I wish that you and I wish, you know, anybody didn't have to go through some of the struggles that you've had to go through. Um, at the same time, I thank you for your service and uh, trying to take care of some of those people and uh, who aren't just your mom, but also you know, you like, you like, you saw like, you know, there's a need to be met here and um, you're trying to meet it, you know? So I appreciate that. I appreciate you writing about it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate you having me on to talk about it too. It's so important. And um, another, um, element, too, that we didn't get into is hospice. Um, In the past, I volunteered for hospice because we were with my mother-in-law when she passed. And boy, what a... This sounds so bad, but, like, what a special moment it was. Like, words can't adequately describe the honor it is uh, to be there as someone transitions to, I think, just the next world. Right. Um, And, um there's an organization called no one dies alone where people don't have family here or like people realize all of a sudden their loved one is taking a quick turn. Volunteers come and sit with um, a loved one.
0: Wow. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing.
1: I'll, I'll figure out another I'll volunteer opportunity to tell you about it. Yeah. No, it really is. Um, every, every different hospital organization has hospice, but um I don't know their, all, all their volunteer opportunities, but this one specifically is for people who may be alone. You know, maybe their kids died. Maybe they never had kids. I don't have kids. I don't know who's going to sit with me. And these, important, these are important conversations. Like my husband said, God forbid, don't ever let a stranger sit with me while I'm trying to have a good death moment. It's like, okay, okay, I'm glad we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> and Darlene, uh, you know,
0: I, I also appreciate that about your ability to find humor um, in what feels like dark, intense situations. You know, and they kind of are. You know, and I mean, are you
1: definitely. You
0: know, it's interesting what you just said because I remember uh, there's this some um, woman I follow on YouTube, and she used to work at a crematorium, and uh, she, and she talks about how death used to be part of people's everyday lives. You know, you know, um, because people used to die at home and, you know, and, and death can be messy and hard and take a long time. And, but, and the family used to have to deal with all of that, you know, and nowadays, you know, uh, you know, death goes off to the hospital or like like taking away from our sight mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, there's a way in which we are uh, not as strong, you know, because um, we're not used to dealing with it you know uh so again um thank you for your advocacy as well you know and thank you for your writing and thank you for coming on to our podcast
1: thanks for having me this was a great conversation
0: awesome and that is it for this edition of voices from the real world we want to thank darlene zambardi for her super personal super intimate sharing um, and of humor about the really intense stuff that she was talking about. Voices from the Real World was put together by the creative team of Jamie M. Ray, line producer, Robert A.K. Gagno, sound engineer, and Christopher Hart, recording engineer at the Willamette Radio Workshop in Portland, Oregon, which exists on the traditional lands of Noma, Kathamek, Clackamas, Tumwater, and Malala lands of the Chinook peoples, the Tualatin Band of the Kalapuya peoples, and many other tribes who made their homes along the Columbia River. We acknowledge and honor the ancestors and survivors of this place and recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. And we honor their descendants who live on. And I am Bobby Vermea, and this is Voices from the Real World. Real people tell their real stories. Thank you for joining us. For more information about Community Profile or Profile Theater, go to profiletheater.org slash communityprofile. To hear more podcasts, go to slash on air, where will find other episodes of Voices from the Real World, as well as Satellite, our online magazine, and even some audio plays. If you have feedback or suggestions for me, I'm taking all comers. Write me at Bobby B at profiletheater.org. One love and peace out.